Quiz. I'm part of the Chicago area. Suck my dick. 50 Randy Quiz. It's over like a Dover, you hoser. 50 Randy Quiz. She's a babe. Swing. We watch movies so you don't have to. Welcome to 50 Randy Quiz. A movie review podcast. I am your host with the most Nicolas Cage movies. I am the prime millennial. It's your boy, Chuck Banner. And with me, my co-host, JT Babia Majora Money. And my other co-host, Johnny, why you want to break my heart, Spade? Why do you want to break his heart? Because this is episode... 144 Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. Wayne's World. So, did you guys know that we watched Wayne's World? And if you have any questions. Yeah, you you just told us. (laughs) If you have any questions or comments, (laughs) you can go to 50randyquades.com and you can let us know what the fuck is up. Please do. Because you'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll hurl. If you're going to spew, spew into this, which is maybe my favorite quote from any 90s movie. And speaking of 90s movie, here's the trailer for Wayne's World. Meow, 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 meow. It's my awesome uh, guitaring noises. Guitaring noises. <laughs> my favorite video game guitaring hero Did you call them fingering noises you sure could i see a little silhouette of a man Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango thunderbolt and lightning just outside of chicago galileo 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 in the basement of this house it's wayne's world wayne's world party time Broadcast history is about to be made. Extreme close-up! I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. It's two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Here I am with the contract for $5,000. Excuse me? Now they're on their way. No way! Way! To fame. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate sequin jumpsuit? Young girls in white cotton panties, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet face. To fortune. Contractor knows. I will not bow to any sponsor. And to babe heaven. What do you do if every time you see this one incredible woman, you, you think you're going to hurl? I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, it was never meant to be. Okay. It's Wade. This is definitely the type of place I'm going to get when I move out of my parents' house. It's Garth. I love you, Garth. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. It's a movie. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Wayne's World. Hi, Wayne. It just might be the greatest motion picture ever made. Are you mental? The has a devil put aside for me. And 
and one of us is back in Chicago again. The rest of us are in the extended Chicago land area. Is it called the extended Chicago land area when you're all the way out where you are? It's not the Chicago land area anymore. Nah, it's probably not even. We're, we are far away. So, so we've hinted around. We've hinted around that we live in this area, and I guess probably also directly said that I'm in Chicago many times before. But no, I've been told by people who lived in what are considered the real suburbs of Chicago, like Schaumburg or whatever, something like that, that where we come from is not even considered suburbs it's basically i mean we're still in illinois but oh certainly it's definitely not chicago or chicagoland area here's the way i look at it i could drive to a train that would take me to downtown chicago in an hour and what 25 minutes roughly if i can get to that train in like 10 minutes from my house i'm part of the chicagoland area suck my dick that's my rationale well i mean by your rationale then yeah i'm in chicagoland area it's easy enough to get there man ain't no problem i mean yeah i can get downtown chicago like that time or less that's what i'm saying even if you just if you just had to drive yeah. but i'm saying just by public transportation none of this is the point and this movie doesn't even take place in chicago no no yeah it takes place in aurora oh and aurora chicago and milwaukee all right if you haven't gathered and if you're also new to the show we here at 50 randy quades we are going to talk about everything wayne's world or at least we mean to fucking got it this time but you know we're gracious and what was the word you said last time? Humble. Legendary? I'm certain that wasn't the word I used. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we give you guys a little brief warning before, you know, spoilers abound. But this movie is from 1992. And it's an absolute classic. And I don't know if we've established this yet. I just want to point out this was Johnny Spade's pick, correct? Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'd like to ask as we head into the spoiler section the countdown chuck you want to count me in yeah 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 yeah. so we're gonna go from three down so i'm gonna start right about now three two one wayne and garth put on a weird public access show from their basement that some skeezy marketing slash con man decides to jump all over and sell as a marketing tool for a rich arcade dude named Noah, Noah's Arcade. <laughs> anyway, they sign this contract that like basically gives all the rights over to this scumbag, but then they don't want to fucking work for the scumbag anymore, so they go rogue on him, and also Wayne falls in love with Cassandra, and Garth falls in love with the dream woman and has a twin dog. <laughs> That's the thing, like, I don't know how else to really spoil it, because it's a weird-ass movie. I love you, Dream Woman. It is a very (laughs) weird movie. Uh, But, I mean, it's also funny, and it's got a lot of music, so I guess you could say it's a music comedy. You could definitely say that. That's what I'm going to say. I'm also going to say that this movie, Wayne's World, is uh, rated PG-13 for sex-related dialogue. Cream of some young guy. (laughs) he did say that yes he did this movie was a valentine's favorite in the early 1990s 1992 february 14th this movie debuted at number one holy shit this movie pulled in 18.1 million dollars on valentine's weekend 
or day and whatever. It was a weekend. Was it a weekend? Yep. Didn't movies used to come out on like Tuesdays or Thursdays or some shit? Or am I making that up? Am I thinking of CDs? Oh, that was CDs and like DVD releases would come out on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. That's that's right. Best Buy. But not theater releases. Now they're like Fridays. That makes more sense. Yeah, it changed a few years ago. Anyway. (laughs) Number one, though. That's fucking impressive. Which is pretty crazy considering its budget. Its estimated budget was like $20 million. It almost got all of its money back in its first weekend. It's an SNL movie. Of course it's going to have a low budget. The the early 90s, popping for releases, right? Because in the top five, we got number two, Medicine Man, in its second week, $8.9 million. Do you know that movie? No, but I know the next one. I've seen it. Sean Connery. Lorraine Bracco, who's the psychiatrist on The Sopranos. All right, all right. Number three, Fried Green Tomatoes. Seen that movie. Seven million in its eighth week. Chuck, do you know that one? Yes, I, I saw that. A little, cla- a little Kathy Bates action. Well, classic action. <laughs> then we got, of course, the hand that rocks the cradle. Rebecca De Mornay. Week six. Nice little thriller. Oh yeah. Six point eight million dollars. Hold on, before we move on to this, I want to say, like, do you really even see what is considered like that hand that rocks the cradle, the psychological thriller? Like, do they really make shit like that anymore? Like, I know there's shit that you could probably still frame as psychological horror, but I mean specifically like that. And like, what was the other one? Um, like single white female. Like that kind of like trying to steal someone's identity psychological thriller thing that existed in the early and mid nineties. Oh, there was a great one uh, called The Talented Mr. Ripley, but I think that was like the late 90s. I've heard of that. I've never seen it. I have it. I liked it a lot. Matt Damon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I like a lot of Matt Damon movies. I'm just saying, like, someone point me to some psychological thrillers if they're out there. If not, someone will start making them. Bring them back. I'll find some psychological thrillers. I'll watch it and let you know if I agree that it's a psychological thriller. I will find them. And number five, final analysis. Second week, $6.2 million. That is apparently Richard Gere, Kim Basinger, and Uma Thurman. Yeah, I don't know that one. some other people. I've never heard of it before. Pretty solid lineup for 92, especially. Here domestically, this movie made $121.6 million. That makes sense. And then in all foreign lands, $61.4 million. That also makes sense. Bringing in the bacon. Well, just think about it, because how old were we at the time this came out? And even for us, it was everywhere. And for years after, even to this day, you'll hear people fucking quote Wayne's World occasionally. Oh, yeah. Especially when we were growing up. Like, it was... Well, yeah, because we were like seven years old when this came out. Seven or eight, depending on when you were born. And I know I saw it by at least a couple years after this. Like, I don't know if I saw it in 1992, but I'm sure I saw it by 1996. Oh, yeah. And even then, there was lots of references flying all over the place. Memes galore. Yeah, real life memes. I mean, memes are always real life, I suppose, and have always existed. But I guess the natural inclination now is to think of an internet meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah, people doing the mouth memes. So when I was writing up this sheet, uh, I saw that Bonnie and Terry Turner did this. And I was like, dude, so many fucking classics did they write. 
Not only did they do movies, but they also did a bunch of TV shows. Yeah, too. I only know that '70s show, and I think they did Third Rock. Yeah, they did Third Rock for sure. They also did that '90s show and that '80s show a little bit of. Well, I mean, not everything can be a home run. No, but they smashed it out of the park with a bunch of the movies too that they did. So thank you if you're listening. Also, if you want to be a guest, you know, just hit us up at uh, You can contact us, you know. Please. And of course, uh, who directed this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew you were waiting for someone else to take a shot at I know how to say it. Penelope Spheris? That's how you say it. Boom. I would like to point out, I don't remember the name of it, but a, the director of like a pretty influential like punk rock documentary at some point in the 80s. But the one thing I can name check that Penelope Spheris directed was The Little Rascals that came out right around the same time frame. Oh, nice. I for sure saw that movie. Yes. All right, so uh, you want to start it off with the main star actors of Wayne's World. So we'll start out with the big man, Mike Myers, as Wayne Campbell. And then we got Dana Carvey is Garth Algar. And Rob Lowe is Benjamin Oliver. Tia Carrere as Cassandra. Brian Doyle Murray as Noah Vanderhoof. Laura Flynn Boyle as Stacy. A Twin Peaks connection. Kurt Fuller, my man, as Russell. I had to put Russell on there. Oh, dude, of course. Chris Farley as security guard. Meatloaf as Tiny. And I got one I got to throw in that you left off, and he's probably the highlight of the movie to me. That's Ed O'Neill as the, I'm assuming, owner of the diner. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as I saw him on there, I was like, oh, shit, it's Ed O'Neill. I've seen this movie a lot of times. It's been a while since I've seen it. This time around, that was the funniest part of the movie to me. Was every time he, I think it's three times, maybe four times he shows up. We'll get into it, but every time I was like, "That's what I'm here for in this movie." I think he was credited as like the manager, okay, or something that makes and sense. And it said, "What was the place called?" Stan Makita's Donuts. Yeah, it, he was in it. It he was in the credits. It said Stan Makita, Stan Makita. Oh, he was a Blackhawks hockey player back in the day. I did know that. I, for the listeners and for yeah, I guess if either of you didn't know, well, I mean, it makes sense because I think I know Mike Myers is Canadian. I'm pretty sure Dana Carvey is too. It makes sense that they'd go hard on the hockey. And if I recall correctly, there's a pre- the Blackhawks were pretty good in the early 90s. I know I wasn't into hockey, so I don't really know. But I remember my uncle was like, I think that was around when like Chris Chelios was playing and shit. Like they at least made it to the playoffs. Who was Tiny? I have no Meatloaf. Yeah, but who was yeah. that in the whole movie? I don't remember seeing Meatloaf show up in the movie. Oh, he's in the very, very, very beginning when they go to that uh, one club where they first see the band. And he's the guy at the door and they, they talk to him for a minute. He's the guy at the door. Nope, as soon as you said yeah. it, it's the shitty Beatles. It's not just a clever name. They suck. I remember. Yeah, they suck. Give us the IMDb breakdown before we start breaking this thing down. I think you should do it in like a, a, a Minnesota accent. So there are two friends there, right? And they try to promote their public access cable show. Oh, that's it? That's all they got there. You telling me it's over? I'm telling you it's over like a Dover, you hoser. Don't call me a hoser. <laughs> All right. So when I looked, when I looked up the awards for this movie, I saw that there was an MTV Movie Awards for Best On-Screen Duo of 1992. I feel like I watched that. I feel like I watched that because I definitely watched MTV 
and saw stuff about stuff I'd never seen before, but then you'd see it on MTV because I was an avid Beavis and Butthead watcher in 1992. 1992 was Beavis and Butthead around? Pretty sure. Huh. That was probably when it was on early, too. Probably. And then those kids set their house on fire or something. Oh, I vaguely remember what you're talking about. Uh, So, yeah, yeah. Mike Myers and Dana Carvey won that award. And then there was an NME award for best movie in 1992. Cool. Yep. Thumbs up for me. All right, so then this movie basically starts. Do you want to lead the way, Johnny or JT? No, let the spade dig into the fresh earth and get us going on this movie. So we get flipped on here to uh, Rob Lowe laying in bed with some babe. She redhead. Total babe. Clicking through the channels. We can't deny the sexual power of Rob Lowe in the early 90s either. That's a hot bed to start this movie. Even, I'm sorry. There's a pizza sitting on the foot of the bed, though, and Rob Lowe does not <laughs> seem like a guy who's going to be eating pizza in bed with a. She didn't really either. And then on top of it, they look like they're going to start messing around with this pizza still in the bed. No, let me ask a question, though. Obviously, if it was, I didn't catch it, so it wasn't effective. But was like the name of the pizza brand was a Pizza Hut? Like, was it shown like later in the movie? Because it could have just been straight up product. It was an open box. I don't remember if okay. I get if I caught yeah, it. It was an open box. Didn't well, didn't look way, like a they, Pizza Hut box. But it doesn't matter because they still open on commercials. You get Chia Pet, you get the Clapper, and they even go with the local Empire mm. oh, Carpet yeah. guy. Y'all can still sing that jingle to me right now. Do you remember the numbers? I bet. I mean, not off the top of my head. Five eight eight one eight eight two three hundred Empire Empire today. They added the Today later, and I was all like, I don't like it. It's all about advertising. The whole movie is about that interjecting of advertising into shit, and they just open with it. Slap you right in the fucking dick with it. For real products, no less. <laughs> yeah, it's some good shit. They don't fuck, again, they wear it on their sleeve the whole time. Like, yeah, of course we took fucking advertising paydays to make this movie. Are you out of your mind? So they're clicking around on the TV, and then they come upon the, they come upon the Wayne's World. Fucking Wayne and Garth starting their show. And then fucking, they're like, yeah, we got a special guest or whatever he says. The guy with a suck it. You cut your hair and it sucks <laughs> as it cuts. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it sure does suck. So I do like it. It's, it's the earlier version. It's the suck cut of what we'll later know as the suck it. <laughs> yeah, from the office fame. Oh, God. Well, I love it because Dana Carvey's getting his hair suck cut in. And he's like, it's sucking my will to live. <laughs> the humanity. Like, he's so funny in this movie. So that's when, like, uh, this Benjamin dude's all like, yeah, we got to, like, get this set up. Let's totally steal this show. We can turn this into something huge. Well, we cut over to the to the bros. They introduce themselves and what's going on, basically. And then you pop right into the classic Bohemian Rhapsody car ride. Oh, yeah. Like, I for, I forgot how early in the movie that took, takes place. It's like the right away the first thing they do outside of the, here's the show that they do, and then here's what they do in the car. Then they call it the Mirthmobile. Yeah, why do they call it the Mirthmobile? No idea. Oh, all right. I think it's what is that kind of? I think it's actually a Gremlin. That's what kind of car it is. No, yeah, but they call it the Mirthmobile. No, I'm, I didn't even really catch that. I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure it's actually a Gremlin. Well, then they go to the diner. Well, yeah. Well, they and they uh, did they stop at the the place to to look at the axe before they got to the diner? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. They did pull over on the side of the road and stare at a 1964 Stratocaster through a window. He does yeah. it every Friday. Yeah, they, say, they said specifically that they do this every week. And they're like showing off all these places that are, I assume are staples of Aurora. I've honestly never been to Aurora before. But they show a White Castle, and I was wondering why they made a point of showing White Castle. I don't know, like, is White... I'm sure now White Castle's a national chain. Was it always a national chain, or was it more regional? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. No idea. I don't think there's White Castles everywhere in the country. Hmm. Like, I don't know if they have White Castle... I don't, I don't know where I would say I don't know they have it, but I'm sure there are places in this country that don't have White Castle now that I'm thinking about it. You could probably always get the White Castle out of the freezer section of your local grocer. Most likely. But that's a different thing. I figure it'd be bigger since they made like two or three movies. Oh, that's what I think. It might have changed. It might have changed since all that shit happened with Harold and Kumar and all that. Oh, I guess maybe it was just one movie. No, yeah, there's definitely two. Yeah, but the other ones weren't Goes to White Castle. It's just one of them was Goes to White Castle. The other ones were like Escape. God, yeah. What the hell is it called? Guantanamo Bay or whatever. Oh yeah, Harold and Kumar. Christmas one. Well, they. there was a Christmas one, wasn't there? They show that really cool, like, stack of cars, and I hope that's, A, like, was real and in Aurora, and B, is still there if it was. Well, obviously it was real somewhere. They didn't, like, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't CGI those cars in a 1992 movie. If they did, that CGI was It was on point with good. Jurassic Park, like, two years before it came out. Faux show. Now there's no way, because when they're at the airport later, you could tell that shit was a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where they uh, they get to the... Stan Makita's diner, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's when they see... What, they see Stacy Well, they there, see the right? cop first. They talk to the cop. Yeah. They make friendly with the cop. The, uh, the cop reveals that just that evening, he had done a full body cavity search on 12 people. I had to inspect 12 individuals myself. <laughs> Well, they were like, no way. He's like, yes way. I had to inspect 12 individuals myself. And remember that for later, boys and girls. So they go inside, and this is when we first get Ed O'Neill popping up. And he's talking about, like... It's pretty ominous. He's like, yeah, like, why is it celebrated when you kill someone in war, but killing a man in the heat of passion is called murder? And it's just like, uh... And Wayne grabs the camera. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, bro, this isn't about you. Come over here. Yeah, it was a little scary. Well, that's one thing about the movie. The whole thing is done in like this breaking the fourth wall, especially Garth and Wayne consistently oh, breaking definitely. it all the they time. They keep on going. Yeah, they keep on like going off with the camera guy just to like talk to him. Be like, hey, check this out. Like, like kind of like nodding their head over to the side to like get them to follow him. Ed O'Neill is really the only other one in the movie that tries and steals it away and every time it happens it's just the darkest shit. <laughs> yeah, he's got something fucked up. <laughs> and it starts right here and to me it hit me I was like so most of the humor in this movie is you know fucking pretty sophomoric like straightforward not it's not a dark comedy by any means, but then you but but then you get that Ed O'Neill angle with the murder talk, and I'm like, oh shit! Like I completely forgot about that since the last time I saw it, and I was like, that really threw me for a loop on this on this watch. Oh, and I'd also like to point out that sitting at the counter, one of the people that's part of the crew on the show is just drinking creamer right out of one of the metal containers that used to. Oh come yeah, in. I said that when when we were watching, I was like, is that guy just drinking creamer? Well, I never noticed that Garth is sucking the jelly out of the donut with a straw. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Oh too. my god! 
well, we get introduced to Garth's Dream Woman here, and then Stacy does show up. Yeah, and so like this is like a running gag throughout the entire movie where Stacy's just trying to like get Wayne to take her back. Yeah, they broke up two months ago, and she doesn't see it that way. And she's like, yeah, well, that doesn't mean we still can't date. And he's like, no, that's exactly what this means. It's like, get the fuck out of here, you and crazy she was bitch. They're meeting him for their anniversary. Or, I mean, she was waiting for him because that's probably the place he goes. <laughs> she had gift wrapped a gun rack for their anniversary. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, perfect. This goes great with all the no guns I have. But you know what, guys? Fuck it. It's Friday night. Let's go to Gasworks, the heavy metal bar. Yeah, so they go to this heavy metal bar, and that's where they see this not heavy metal band. And he's all like, "Oh yeah, she's great." And they're like, Sandra, "I would like, I would consider the music we're dealing with here, and I know it's a very catch-all term, but it would fall right into the Q101 alternative category, especially yes. Crucial Taunt, the name of Cassandra's band, most firmly in the Q101 camp. I think it's just rock, sure. And all they do, I think, is covers. I don't think any of that stuff was original. No, no, no I don't think so." They probably because it was way easier to just pay the licensing fee to cover a song than to spend whatever to get someone to write some halfway decent songs. Like just cover some good ones. Because they like when they show up and they're like, "Oh, crucial taunt." He's like, "Yeah, I heard they wail." I'm like, "Who talks about a cover band like that?" They wail, man. They're so wailing. There are a number of bar bands, especially up in your guys' area. I don't know about now, but back in the day that were big time just on cover bands. What was the name of the one? Like the Modern Day Romeos? I think all they did did was cover. All they did was covers. They were huge. I don't know what they're doing now. But huge locally. Yeah, locally. But to your point, Spade, no one talks about cover bands like that. I feel like I've nitpicked about cover bands on here before. But anyway, it's fucking Tia Carrere, fucking Babelicious. Yes, absolutely. Oh my god. Let's also not forget Dwight, or Dwight, similar I guess in certain ways, Garth, going outside, putting on his fucking zapping belt. <laughs> oh yeah, where he becomes a literal fucking supervillain and zaps this dude. Or superhero, depending on your perspective. Yeah, I don't think... Because everyone everyone there cheered for him. He's some he sort of genius, villain. too. Because he had this thing rigged up, and later on he has fucking around with that mechanical hand. Oh, yeah. Building. He is most definitely got to be a genius. Then Dreamweaver kicks in, and Wayne falls in love with Cassandra. She's a babe. Swing. She will be mine. Or something. I don't know. She kicks a bunch of people's asses. Yeah, because they spilled some beer on her when, in their little bar fight. So he goes up to her and he makes some really bad, like, kung fu fighting joke. And she's like, yeah. All right, rolls her eyes at him. He's like, I'm taking off. And he's like, but can I get your number? And she's like, yeah, there's a flyer at the front of the venue for our next gig. You can go grab one of those. It's at my loft. You just play a gig at your loft. Nice. He's like, yeah, so cool. I'll just show up at your loft. With a whole bunch of other people. Let's be real. It's a full-on show. No, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. To be a band and to have a loft available to you like that, that you're allowed to play music at that loud, like, why wouldn't you just always be playing shows there? Yeah, I know, right? Why don't you play anywhere else? Like, you don't have to split the door with anyone. Just come to this loft. And she even complains to Gar- or to Wayne that she has to go talk to the manager of this place right now because he's trying to screw her out of money. There you go. See? Then, we when they leave... Gasworks, a heavy metal bar, and they're driving back to wherever they're going. They pull up to a, rit- a ritzy car at a stoplight, and once again with the advertising, they pull the Grey Poupon joke out. 
Which like they just is hilarious. Keep ramming that advertising shit at you the whole time. Like that's what this is about, motherfucker. So then we get like the culmination of Rob Lowe and his like terribleness being like, all right, we're gonna steal this show from these guys, basically. So he meets with them, has like a like a, a meeting at a bar. Well, first he meets up with Brian Dolan Murray as Noah Vanderhoof, yeah. the fucking the guy, and he's there with Kurt Fuller, who's his right hand man. And they're like, bro. Here's what you need to do to tap into the youth. Advertise and become a sponsor on this Wayne's World show. And Brian Dole Murray's like, nah, I don't know about it all that much. But then finally, they were like, they talk him into it, basically. Oh, yeah. That's they backwards they... talk him into it, being like, oh, that was a great idea. Like, basically, like, just saying it was his idea to do the show and everything like that. So then... Well, they established that in the next scene at an auto body shop that Wayne and Garth are broke. I mean, we knew it already because Wayne lives at home with his parents, but, like, they're broke as a joke. So if someone's going to throw money at them, they're probably going to be interested in it. Yeah. So they go... They have this meeting, and he's all like, all right, we're going to pay you 5000 a piece, right? I got cashier's checks right here, Ben. You can walk out of here with $5,000 a piece, right? So they got 10 grand. You guys aren't about money. I'll rip these checks up right now. So that's 10 grand, mind you. Well, instead it turns into, I got $5,000. I got $5,000. And they are rich. Rich, quote, unquote. Yeah, 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 yeah. Poor rich. Not even rich by poor standards. (laughs) I do do want to point out that when... When Benjamin and Russell first show up and just kind of walk down into the basement during a filming, they're showing an episode that they're making of Wayne's World, and they're holding up a poster of Claudia Schiffer, who is supreme babe of the early 90s, for sure. Oh, yeah. And they, the quote that I like the most is that she tested high on the strokeability <laughs> yeah. scale. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really weird, right? Also, a that's what she said joke. Did you guys catch yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Something like how is she like, holding on to it so long or something like that? But when, my, so my question is, like, when did the that's what she said joke start? I'm sure it's probably gone on outside of like TV and all that shit for a while. But like, when did that first pop up like in a movie or a TV show? At least 1992. Oh, thank you. <laughs> anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. But now we, we get to the loft party. So, yeah, they go to the loft party. This is where they already have the money, right? Well, yeah. And then when does he go to buy the guitar? That's so much later in the movie. Is it that much later? No, I don't know. It can't be that much later because it seems to be like right the next thing on my list. I don't feel like it's right the next thing that happens. It might be right the next thing on your list. Anyway, so they go to the party. But Benjamin shows up there, too, because he's trying to scam in on Cassandra, because that's the kind of guy Benjamin is. And he's, like, trying to talk her into, like, being an act on Wayne's World, or, like, maybe doing a music video or some shit like that. Stacy's there also trying to fuck around with Wayne, but Wayne, like, goes straight for Cassandra, and Cassandra's like, fuck this Ben dude, and so those two end up hanging out together. Yeah, he's definitely trying to weasel his... Rob Lowe's trying to weasel his way in, and... Dude, he looks so bad in these suits. They look like like sweatsuits that are made to look like suits. They're that baggy. They just It's 90 suits, dude. I'm not saying it looks they good, look but it's so what it, bad. It's a hundred percent of the time. Oh man, they look so terrible. 
I, I literally couldn't get over his clothing and like how much product he had in his hair. A lot of product. Yep. Oh man, it was just looked greasy so, almost. So with Cassandra and Wayne up on the roof talking in Cantonese, Stacy's up there making out with some random guy trying to make him jealous, and they just fall through the skylight onto a couch. <laughs> yeah, they almost killed Phil. Good old auto body Phil, but he survives. Yeah, because Phil wasted. is the only one. Phil is the only one who looks like he also probably gets stoned too. He just constantly looked messed up, except for when he was at work. He's probably also the heroin addict of the group as well. My guess. Everyone else just gets drunk all the time. Phil's just out there doing all the crazy shit. Phil's the wild one, man. Wild card. I don't know if he's the wild card. No, he is not. You start doing a bunch of heroin, you're not the wild card anymore. You don't. You don't have the energy to be a wild card. Oh, what's fucking Phil doing? Oh, he's nodding off in the back bedroom. <laughs> Same thing he was doing last night. So after this, they go. He goes to to buy the the 1964 guitar. Are you sure about that? Nope. There's so much more that happens before that. Um, so we go to the studio, and they're like working on the first episode, and they teach Russell's teaching the crew how to do the countdown: five, four, three. You don't say two yeah. and one. Like, that whole bit happens, right? And Mr. Vanderhoff calls up, and he wants to come and watch this rehearsal is what it is, actually. And so he shows up. So you got the whole crew, and they head down to the set, and they're looking really uncomfortable. Wayne and Garth are. They've got this big blue screen that's come down behind them, and they're putting, like, all these graphics up. Like, they start out in New York. They're just running through New York. And then they're, like, running through the Alamo. Then there's all this shit. And Vanderhoff's watching, and he's just like, well, I think they were just kind of fucking around right there. It was they called it a rehearsal. That well, they they were fucking around. They, this is what they would do. They always fuck around when they're making Wayne's world. That's the whole point. I'm looking down on Wayne's basement, but that's not Wayne's basement. Because well, yeah, they had they like recreated the majority of what you'd see on the camera right there in the studio, but then they still brought down this big blue screen. So they were just feeling out of their element. But it was definitely them just like getting a feel for what they were dealing with. And they go down, and they're talking amongst each other. You end up getting Wayne and Vanderhoff together. And Vanderhoff ends up doing this little rap that he says he does about Noah's Arcade. Because he does his own commercials. Because he does his own commercials. That's the whole thing here. Benjamin's trying to get him with a weekly guest spot on the show to hawk the arcade. So Vanderhoff does his little rap. And he's like, so what do you think about that, Wayne? And Wayne's like, hmm. Uh, I'd say, ask Sphincter says what? <laughs> And now that's the shit that definitely permeated into my life in like 1992 or 1993 that I didn't know was from Wayne's World, but was definitely from Wayne's World. Yeah. What? S. Victor says what? What? <laughs> exactly. That's what I think about this. That's what I think about your rap. <laughs> but Russell sees what's happening. He jumps in right away. He's like, we gotta go to lunch. Let's get out of here before he like realizes what's happening. <laughs> before he realizes you're making fun of him to his face. <laughs> so garth wakes up to his twin dog telling him that garth's there and it's her wayne's there and it's time to play and he has like shackles hanging off of his dresser did you see that no i didn't catch that there's like i didn't catch it either. yeah there's like shackles hanging off the dresser i'm like why the fuck does he have shackles hanging on the dresser maybe he's a werewolf maybe he has a frankenstein and he, the dog's barking i was like wayne got Kidnapped by aliens or something like that. It's like, oh no, Wayne's outside. So they're playing hockey, talking things over. Garth's like, I don't know about this. And Wayne's like, yeah, 
mm, I don't really know either, but also I already signed and we've got money. So that's cool. And Stacy drives by, got a neck brace from falling through the window. Now she not looking where she's riding her bike at drives directly into a car and fucking yeah. like goes over there and face plants onto a hood. Like, all right, slapstick comedy is some of my favorite shit. So if you can do it right, and this dude, I was dying at this. I was like crying when she had, I've seen it. I've watched that gif just because it's so funny before. There's two spots where I laughed pretty hard. Well, but what's also funny is when she like is when she gets up, she's like, "Oops." <laughs> well, I guess there'd be three <laughs> spots that I laughed really hard. This was one of them. Okay, all right, all right. So now we're back to the TV studio. We're still not buying a guitar yet, and Garth is working on that robot arm that you were talking about earlier, Spade. And Russell comes up. He's like, "We haven't really had a chance to talk. Like, what's up with you? Um, how do you feel about Mister Vanderhoff getting involved weekly?" And Garth is like, we fear change. <laughs> and then he beats the fuck out of the robot hand with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> For like 30 seconds. He just starts smashing that motherfucker. <laughs> and then Rob Lowe's like, all right, all right, and walks away. All right, now I got something to tell you, buddy. What? They're in a car, they're driving, there's a CD player, because he's got money now. They go to the music shop, and now we buy the guitar. Yes! So he pulls out the guitar and he's all like, he he has the guy pull out the guitar for him and he starts fingering it and the guys are like, no. And he's like, what? And he points to the sign. And he's like, no stairway to heaven. He's like, man, I can't play the stairway, man. No stairway denied. And then he starts going, meow, 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 playing the guitar. Well, meanwhile, meanwhile, Garth is beating the fuck out of the drum kit. Yeah. And the guy and he actually that, does play drums. The guy that works there is like, dude, you're awesome. He is really good. He is a good drummer. I like to play. <laughs> and then the guy's like, all right, Wayne, I got to put this fucking guitar away. And he's like, no, not today, man. I'm going to buy it. Do you guys take cash? Ka-ching. And yeah, he like, he has like the money is like perfectly folded out, like fanned out, like uh, like like Bugs Bunny does. You've seen Bugs yep. Bunny. <laughs> I've seen Bugs Bunny in a dress and it turned me on too. Oh god damn it. <laughs> it was so funny. It was unexpected. So then but that's the thing, there's so many like weird little things like that, Bugs Bunny. Like you've ever seen Bugs Bunny in a dress and like did it like, I don't remember exactly it what he like says. It's like when Bugs Bunny dresses as a girl bunny. Do you ever find him attractive? Yeah, and Wayne's like, no. Have you? <laughs> No. <laughs> and then the fl- the plane flies over. That shit comes back later. But they head back to the studio, and we get a glimpse of uh, Benjamin and Russell talking. And it's the first glimpse we get of Russell kind of, like, converting over to the other side. Yeah. Because he's like, ah, I don't think Wayne's really into Mr. Vanderhoff being on the shit. And Ben's like, well, it's in his contract, so it really doesn't matter. We'll explain it to him, and that's how it's going to work. And Russell's like, yeah, he'll understand that right away. Not. And he's like, I am sorry. The nots and like the as if. Oh, I love and all it. that yeah. shit in this movie fucking killing me. I, I don't know if there were, I don't, were there any does? Uh, if there was, I, I didn't even like catch it, to be honest. I don't think there were, but that, I mean, that doesn't mean that there weren't, but that would fit right in with it. Even early on, he said, like, get the net. 
And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I need the context again, but I think it did make sense. It's probably like a hockey reference. No, I think no, it I, was like, oh, like she's like crazy, so like get the net to catch. No, oh, they were talking about how they broke up, and she didn't like think that they were broken up, and he was like, get the net. Oh, is it because, was it when they were playing hockey in the street and he was no, literally no, no, telling no, them to no, get no. the net? It was net? when they were at the, they were in the, diner. the donut shop, yeah. Listen, I don't know what we're talking about. It was way, it was at the fucking beginning, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Basically, Ben then tells Wayne, you have to do this shit, it doesn't matter. We get a whole bunch of other advertisement spots from Pizza Hut and Reebok. Oh, yeah, that was one of the ones, the one of the times that I really loved Oh, yeah, I love this spot. Because I oh. was dying. Oh yeah, then these they're just they're again they're just flat out like they've been they've been doing it the whole time. Now they're just flat out calling it out and putting in the dialogue. The Doritos. And oh, it's yeah. funny to see how much like the Doritos bag has changed. Oh yeah, like I think it oh, said yeah. on there like tortilla chip, tortilla chips, nacho cheese flavor. And basically, it's like, bro, you're gonna do that shit. You're gonna stay in the big leagues. You can go back to your parents' basement. So we go back to Stan's diner, and he's strumming his new axe. And he's chilling with Cassandra. Ed O'Neill is talking about ripping a man's heart out and showing it to him so we can see how black it is before he dies. I was like, what the fuck, Because <laughs> the other dude, the guy that was working at the TV station or whatever, was like, no, they gave me my pink slip. Was like, you know what I like to do? And that Ed O'Neill is like, you want to rip his heart out and put it in front of his face. It's like, oh, I was thinking about filing a complaint with the union <laughs> <laughs> what's so funny is that guy the pink slip guy he volunteers to be part of the crew that helps them get the live feed into the limo like yeah. he's like oh yeah i'll come help you guys like just randomly i thought that was really funny well garth spots his dream woman again and this is when we get the again classic everyone knows about it foxy lady scene yeah which is and hilarious. i was like i said something to johnny too i was like like, wouldn't it be creepier if he did this instead of just like going up to her and just saying like, hey? It's hard to tell with a man like Garth. He's pretty creepy, if you think about it. He's a ladies man in the second one. I haven't seen the second one in so long, I don't even remember. So when do they go see Alice Cooper? Well, first they we go to Cassandra's loft and we have a gratuitous sex scene between the two of them, which is basically establishing that the video that her and Benjamin were talking about is going forward. In Chicago, it's happening. Like Benjamin's also taking her for a ride because yeah. you know he's taking he's taking everyone for a ride. And he's trying to take her for a ride in more than one way. Yeah, yeah, physically and career wise. Yeah, to benefit him financially, and use physically. her up, toss her aside, no problem. Then we cut to the trio of the Waynes of Wayne, Garth, and Cassandra going to Ben's apartment. I don't know if that's what you were getting to. I know that at some point he's all like, hey, why don't you guys take the day off? You guys can go see Alice Cooper. And then while he's there going to see Alice Cooper, he's all like, hey, Cassandra, how about we uh, like go out to dinner? Yeah, you're skipping over all like, the funny shit that happens, though. Like when Garth pulls out a pack of condoms and goes, ribbed for her pleasure. Ew. Like, yeah. <laughs> I rewound that to watch it again. The way he delivers that line is so funny. Ew. And he 
describes Ben as being smooth when he leaves his How to Pick Up Chicks and How to Meet Women books on the table when he's having a woman come over. I feel like that's not smooth at all. Yeah, I don't think that's smooth. And another thing to point out, he looks in the day planner and he reads, what does it say, Purchase Cable Access Show and Exploit Them. So he could hate to be those guys. I think it was Feeble Cable Access Show. There you go. So they're just laying out all this shit that, like, Garth should know now because he's been suspicious the whole time but he's just like it's cool man this guy's rich it's awesome so in the end in the end even money kind of clouds Garth's mind a bit because he's kind of supposed to be the voice of reason like that he's almost like dumb but he's not oh he's definitely not dumb like he's just weird that's his whole thing he doesn't really know how to interact with people very well but he gets blinded by Ben's sweet ass apartment which looks sweet for 1992 I mean, I'd still like that apartment right now. I would take the space. I would get rid of every bit of decoration in there. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of it I keep. No. Sell it. Get that money. Now we go to Milwaukee because they got the backstage passes to Alice Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. So, yeah, I was reading that that when uh, Alice Cooper didn't, like, he thought he was just doing, like, a musical performance for the movie. And then, like, they handed him, like, this script. And he was like, "Oh shit, I gotta like memorize this all real quick." But I guess like he's like uh, like a buff of that sort of stuff, so maybe that was changed the dialogue a little bit. It probably they probably were like Alice Cooper. You're gonna be in our movie and also talk in our movie. You can just say whatever the fuck you want. We're not we're, we're not worthy. At this spot too, when he's saying like Milwaukee was a Native American, he used the term Native American. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." In the '90s, they're fucking saying Native American. But then the guitarist said Indian. I was like, oh, now you fucking took it back. I'll still say the effort from Alice Cooper himself in 1992 is impressive. And he yeah. points out that uh, Milwaukee had three socialist mayors, which I think is an interesting thing to point out. I, th- I think he is kind of a, a political buff as well as an avid golfer. I know he's like a Christian guy now, too. It sounds about right. But even though we skipped over their trip before this, while they're in Milwaukee, they do the, I don't even remember the name of the show. Mary Tyler Moore. No, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't it, sure. It was. They're doing like the whole montage of like the opening of the show, and then they stop, and they're like, wait, what are we doing? We have an Alice Cooper show to go to. Yeah. And then we get basically a half performance of Frankenstein. Yeah, it was some, uh, it was some good rock music of the time. They're ready to leave. Eh, I don't know about that. Alice Cooper's good shit was long before 1992. But even before that, they think they're going backstage, but they accidentally walk outside and they run into a security guard, Chris Farley. And he's, uh, he's telling them, like, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, Mr. Big, he's he doesn't like to fly, so he likes to drive. So he's got to go from, like, here to, what, Atlanta? I don't even remember. Back to, no. back Saint, to Chicago. St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Louis. And then back through Chicago to get to Minneapolis. No, to get to Detroit. Whatever. You fucking hoser. Don't you call me a hoser now, you dozer. But they're ready to roll out. And Alice Cooper's like, nah, dudes, just stay and hang with us. Oh, no, I forgot. We didn't finish up what you were saying about the record exec guy. He's doing that thing because he's looking for bands to sign to his label. He's on a cross-country tour. Yeah. of america to look for new bands and i also pointed out as a first security guard he knew an awful lot about what this guy was doing yeah they broke the fourth wall to be like yeah we definitely just planted this guy in here to advance the plot later <laughs> don't worry about it uh so then we head back to the studio and they're doing their first big show 
like live or whatever the recording and so like you can tell that they are not like prepared for this at all because like the show starts and like they're getting ready to play the guitar and all of a sudden like the new house music comes in and before the show even starts benjamin just comes up and he's like mr vanderhoff is your first guest and they're like wait what then all of a sudden this big neon sign drops down from the ceiling and says noah's arcade presents wayne's world and like wait what and then they sit him down and they're like here's these cards you're live in whatever amount of time. And Wayne's like, I need a marker to make some notes. Or that happens at some point in this. But then they sit down live. So yeah, they're way out of their element when they go live and whatever you were just, the music hits. Yeah. And so like, they're like, yeah, that was cool, I guess. And uh, then like, they bring in Noah and he's asking him the questions like it does say on the cards, but he wrote stuff on the outside of the cards that are just like, like ripping on him. He's like, hey, this guy's a hoser. Check him out. I can give you what those cards said. The first one said sphincter boy with an arrow pointing at Noah. The second one said this guy blows goats. I have proof. (laughs) Yep. And the last one said this man has no penis. And every one of like the original crew, and I feel like a couple of others too, are up in the booth just Just laughing, laughing. And Noah's wife is there and she's seeing it, but she's not seeing the cards. So she's thinking this is a good thing. Like this is going over well with the people here she's like man they loved it and when they get done he's like mr vanderhaus like man that was great i can't wait to see you and do this next week and benjamin's like wayne i need you to get the fuck up in this booth right now yeah and they like they fire him like halfway through like not even halfway through like what five minutes into like a 30 minute show was it a 30 minute show i mean i i assume that because it's on tv it's it's on for what 22 minutes then with commercials 20 minute show i really honestly don't know i mean doesn't really matter he was gone within three minutes probably and so i assume then so then we we find out that garth does the rest of the show right so that's ten thousand dollars for one episode um i feel well there's probably now nah, they'll probably take that five thousand as a loss and go fuck it we'll move forward and make way more off of this anyway so you say they probably get him for because they had to fire no because they fired him so I don't know if you can go at him for a breach of contract after you fire him I don't know how all that shit works doesn't really matter yeah so care. that's why I was like I was like this just seems a little confusing but it's whatever because this movie isn't about hard facts and stuff like that it's about just the hilarious antics of these people along the way so then benjamin calls up cassandra he's like yo girl we still on for this video and then wayne and garth are chilling at the airport again and garth's like yo i'm pissed at you for ditching me at the show earlier you motherfucker and then he curses him out while the plane flies over and you can't hear it at all and so they kind of break up and they go their separate ways and wayne like goes to to what to her apartment or something like that insinuates she's fucking ben and she's yeah. like get the get out of here but you can tell she's sad about kicking him out but she's like i can't put up with that bullshit yeah, didn't he phrase it like he poking you he poking <laughs> he could, you he could be poking you and she's like oh fucker you gotta be kidding me yeah that was funny now we cut back to stan's donuts and garth is stabbing a jelly donut man to death Oh, man, I'll fucking want to buy some donuts and some toothpicks and make some little fucking donut monsters so bad now. Meanwhile, Ed O'Neill's saying, if you stab a man in the dead of winter, steam will rise up from the wounds. <laughs> yeah. Native Americans said it was their soul. 
That was fucking great. I think this is his final appearance, the third and final, but each one was so perfect. I want to hang out with this Ed O'Neill. This particular one? Oh, yeah, see what other kind of crazy shit he knows. Feels like a serial killer to me. Well, we know he murdered somebody. Somebody. He's probably murdered people in war and out of war. Probably murdered very many people. So, at this point, we got... Wayne showing up now in Chicago at the movie shoot where music video shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the music video shoot where they're all there and she's like she's like got this big old python on her. She's like, This thing is fucking like heavy. But before that happened, we have to solidify the super group that formed at the donut shop of the cop, the original TV crew, the pink slip man. And then Garth, they're going to run interference and somehow beam a live broadcast of a basement show of Wayne's World directly into Fred Sharp's limousine as he drives through the Chicagoland area. A performance of one for one directly at him. And I'm like, okay, that shows you that obviously Garth is a damn genius. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We're going to send it up here and then it's going to bounce over here and then bounce here back to over here, and then directly into Mr. Big's fucking limo. Yeah, and, also- and he's all, and like, Wayne's all like, yeah, we just have to hope that he happens to be watching at the exact right time when he's in his limousine. Let's not forget that while Wayne is still driving on his way out to the video shoot, he gets pulled over by the T-1000 Terminator. Oh, that is the third time. <laughs> so, yeah, like, he gets pulled over, right? And I'm all like, I'm all like is that the Terminator? And, like, in my head, like, I said that out loud. And then, like, in my head, I'm like, no, nah, it can't be the Terminator, right? Like, he's going to, like, it's just going to pull up and then it's going to be, like, some hot blonde. Like, no, you could tell by the walk on the cop that it was the yeah, fucking like, that ready guy. Like, uh, ready to, like, you know, like, give him a ticket or something like that. And then it just, Terminator, have you seen this person? And I've just fucking lost it. He just like screams and peels out of there. Dude, like, I just, did so the good. exact same thing, except for it was like <laughs> laughter. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if it happens later, if it happened already. But they're in the diner. He just opens the door, and it's all this like action shit going on. And he's like, "I just wanted to open a door and see a room with people training, like it's a James Bond movie." Oh yeah. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> But he shows up now at this thing. He's like, oh, Cassandra, I love you. And he starts crying with fake water. It's an Oscar clip. That was pretty funny. He basically thinks that the video shoot is a fake. It's all about Rob just try- Rob Ben just trying to one-up Wayne. And none of this is real. And he's like, the band isn't there. The band's like, oh, hey, Wayne. And he's like, well, this film isn't real. He pops up with the We camera. all know that there's no film, film in this camera. <laughs> all the film just starts coming out. And Cassandra's like, what the fuck, man? And Ben's like, what the fuck, man? She's like, Wayne, just go. And then she's like, wait, wait, I'm leaving with you. Well, Ben's fucking creepy little snake starts like touching on her and she's like is that you or the snake and when you have to ask that question i think you know it's time to go yeah (laughs) is it you or the snake why do i need to ever ask that and so she gets out of there yeah she gets out of there with with uh wayne and that's when they're like all right we got to go back to my place and we gotta set this up while meanwhile meanwhile everybody else is stealing all the equipment from the like the studio russell jumps on board he's driving the van the fucking camera dude loves him and he knows it 
but like, no, man, I love you. What did he say? If Benjamin was ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and dick. Yep, that's exactly what he says. Oh, that was good. Good stuff. But but you also have the cop running interference. He pulls Ben over while he's rushing over there and gives him a full body cavity search right there on the side of the road, right on the hood of his car. And then that's when we get the first of uh, three endings. By the time they got to the end of the like the, the third ending, honestly, I was like, thank God. And I hate to say that, but I was like, Jesus. No, yeah, I was ready for it to be over. Just end it. Just end it. So, yeah, the first ending is basically the bad ending, right? So, like, they play the song. Mr. Big comes. He says, yeah, you, you look hot, but I don't want to sign you. Well, Crucial Taunt is covering Ballroom Blitz and fucking... Tia Carrere slash Cassandra is fucking smoking in this scene with the fucking red dress and the red lipstick. Like finger in that fuck. finger in that white. What base. a babe. Swing. Oh yeah. Oh, swing for sure. But it doesn't work out for her. She's just beautiful. She doesn't get signed. Stacy turns out she's fucking pregnant. The house starts on fire. Garth is apparently dead. He's Wayne is just screaming to the to the heavens. And then we cut to like this fantasy island where Cassandra and Ben are just fucking in the palm trees, slurping down tropical drinks. Yeah, and Ben's like, he's all like, what, you really think that she'd end up with Wayne? But then Wayne pops up with Garth, like, as if. Yeah, we can't, like, you think we would end the movie like this? He's like, we gotta go to the Scooby Doo ending. And then they, oh my god. <laughs> so they do the Scooby Doo ending where it turns out it's an old guy who was sitting at the diner a bunch of times throughout the movie. This is a drunk guy from one of the Adam Sandler movies. Yes. Don't put it out with your boots, Ted. Right? Isn't that him? Isn't he Ted? Don't tell me my business, devil woman. So then they do their we cut to the super ha- happy mega ending or whatever it was. And that's when everybody, you know, is super happy. Bro, I'm going to tell you right now. The band gets locked into a six-album deal with a major record label in 1992. That is bad news. How yeah, are you that's giving bad them, them a six-album six deal when you haven't heard anything original from One them? cover on a pirate ri- like video broadcast beamed to your limo television which i'm sure has terrible sound in like six album deal oh and that fucking u-turn that limo pulls out too oh yeah that was hilarious that would be like he heard the song and he told his driver i need you to turn a u-turn like someone's trying to murder me right now i need you to go to this address that i was supposed to write down because they only said it once so I was supposed to apparently write it down just in case I like this song. We could go to this address. And why is he going to broadcast his fucking address on because he's what TV? Because like he's well, it's only I, I think it's only on that one TV. I don't think it's on anyone else's TV. I think that's the whole point of it. Like no one else can tune into that. But here's what else goes down: Wayne and Cassandra tell each other they love each other. Garth and his dream woman they love each other. Uh, Mr. Vanderhoff is happy with how the kids are looking at him now. And I'm like, you might want to rethink that and how happy you are about how kids are looking at you. You weirdo. You little sex. You sees a sex pervert. Then Russell says, and what I learned is that there can be platonic love between two men. Yep. 
And Ben learned that being hot and rich doesn't mean you can get everything that you want. Yeah, it doesn't mean they'll necessarily be happy. So Wayne's is like, isn't it great that we're all better people? And then they cut to fish cam. And they all start doing fish faces. Yep. And and yelling fish cam. And then the movie's over. Uh, and then during the movie's credits, uh, Garth says, I hope the movie didn't suck. Well, yeah, Wayne's like, I hope that people see like the underlying emotional meaning behind what we did here. And Garth's just like, I just hope people think it doesn't suck. And then you get all the way to the end. And Garth's like, I bet you that... They're going to let us just sit here until it fades to black, aren't they? No one told us to leave. And Wayne's like, yeah, they are going to let it happen, aren't they? Then the credits are over and it fades to black. And Garth's like, or no, Wayne's like, I told you. And then it's over. And now I want to know, like, when was the first time? And I've asked this before, and I knew it predated the Marvel movies, the wait until the end of the credits or around the end of credits for shit to happen. But when did that really, like, when was the first time that was done in a movie? Like, stick around through the credits. At least 1990. This is the earliest. Ferris Bueller. This is the earliest I remember ever seeing. I think Ferris Bueller did stuff after the credits. They did. That was when he's in the robe. He's like, go home. Go. Yeah, because Deadpool did, like, the same thing. That's right. They did the riff on it. So that might be, well, let's see, obviously an earlier example of it. 50 Randy Quaid's Fun Internet Fact, number three. The first film to feature a post credit scene is The Silencers, March 1966. This has been a 50 Randy Quaid's fun internet fact. All right. Well, there you go. That's Wayne's World, bitches. Even like the fish face thing at the end, though, that just reminds me of the wackiness of all the fucking like Austin Power movies. Mike Myers ends like fucking movies weird like that all the time. I see, I've had Austin Powers come up in my periphery a lot recently. It makes me want to go back and watch at least the first one, which will make me watch all of them i'm sure because i remember loving those movies when they came out or at least the first one i loved it so against fucking austin power movies back in the day when they first came out because i was like i don't want to watch some funny james bond movie and then i finally watched one one day i was like this is fucking great yeah i remember liking the first one a lot and even the second one by the time the third one came out i think i was not so in austin powers anymore and i don't think i've liked anything mike myers has done since then except for his turn in inglorious bastards it's just like fucking Adam Sandler. I don't really pay attention to shit he does anymore. I catch him shit once in a while. Uh, Uncut Gems was fucking really, really good. Well, yeah, but as far as like his that, costume, I still haven't seen I'm Uncut tell you right Gems. now, and I don't know whether anyone would like it or not, but I really liked it. Hubie Halloween was a lot of fun. Stupid. It's stupid Adam Sandler shit. You know what I mean? But if you go in expecting stupid Adam Sandler shit, it's a lot of fun. The do-over. Is that the one? The redo or whatever? That one ended up being a lot of fun. The do-over. I thought that was really good. So does anybody else have anything left to say about uh, Wayne's World? Oh, there was some Megadeth posters in this, even though they never really had any real heavy metal. No, the music they had playing was like Temple of the Dog and, oh God, what's the other fucking band that I know the name of? Red Hot Chili Peppers? Ugly Kid Joe, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they definitely had like... It was more in that 90s, like, I don't know if Alternative was the name for it in 92, but it's what became known as Alternative. It all got lumped into that. What you said earlier, the easiest thing for me is always, it's just rock. But rock is so generic that you get the, a little bit a little bit less generic Alternative in there. You get more specific than that, though, because it's not like many other bands are doing the funk thing like Red Hot Chili Peppers are doing. Let's not get into yeah. it. It's not a not a fan. This is motherfucking not Wayne's fan. World. I'm not. I'm not either. Here is where we are going to rate this movie, Wayne's World, on a scale of one to fifty. Randy Quaid's. 
And IMDb rates this movie 35, Randy Quaid. That's criminal. Lock up IMDb, because that is a shitty score for a great movie. Are you going to lead off, or are you going to close up? That was a 50. (laughs) So just go ahead. (laughs) My pick, fucking 50. Classic 90s film. Fucking very influential. Got some Queen in the beginning. I love Freddie Mercury. Fucking just funny as fuck movie. It gets a 50. You've obviously watched it before and probably will watch it again. For sure. Do you own oh, it? Oh, yeah. Would you recommend oh, it? Oh, definitely. See, I know I owned it on DVD like fucking over 13 years ago, but I probably, I don't know what happened to it. So I had to buy it on Blu-ray again, which I guess it just came out again because I had to pre-order it and it's a two-pack. Yeah. Because they had like a steelbook version of fucking come out. I'm like, I don't need a steelbook version of Wayne's World. I have just, I think on a copy I paid like eight ninety nine for just a single disc, like one of those really cheap ass Blu-ray cases, you know the ones you order that have, you know, they're real flimsy. Yeah, but it's the it's the movie on a disc, so it's all right. Like I don't mind. <laughs> I prefer when you give me a nice case and maybe you know some special features and shit too. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, go see it. I recommend it. Fantastic. It is currently streaming free with ads on Prime with a Prime subscription. On YouTube, obviously. too. Nice. I didn't know that. For free? Yeah. Nice. With ads? Probably. I would assume so. I'll go next. I'm going to give this motherfucker 45. Great movie. Classic movie. Classic of 90s comedy. The only thing I'm dropping it down 5 for. God damn it, 90 out of 100 is still a great score, so fuck off. If you're going to give me any shit for it, anyone out there in the listening world, if you're going to holler and tell me I should have given this a 50, I will fucking holler back and tell you to fuck off. 45 is great. I love it. Great score. The pointing at the camera, pulling the camera to me, breaking the fourth wall got old after an hour and a half for me. That's my big thing. Like, it felt like, okay, we get it. And I know that's the whole point of it, but also I was just like, uh. And then the three, I forgot there was the three endings at the end. And I was like, oh, really? Now you're going to just rub it in oh, my face. It's like another three minutes. Plus, and I for, was it's for, not the length. It's not the length. It's I the missed principle. the spot too like early on where like everything was falling apart for Wayne. And then like the camera starts walking away. He's like, no, 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 no come back. Come back. That was good. That's what it's not that it isn't a good effect. It was just on this viewing an hour and a half of it. I was just done with that particular tool. But it was still really funny all the way throughout. Great performances from everyone involved. Highlight was Ed O'Neill, without a doubt. I'd like to see a spinoff about that character. I mean, I would have back then. Now, there's no sense in it. There was no sense in it back then either, realistically. Uh, I do own it. I will watch it again. And I would recommend it. All right, so I'm going to give this the worst score out of the three of us. That sounds right. And I'm going to give it a 40. This is uh, exponentially higher than I expected to give it. Really? This is only like this is only like the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. And I don't remember loving it as a kid. I remember being like, oh, yeah, I saw it. It was funny, but it's not something I'm going to be like going out of my way to watch. I thought even at 94 minutes, this was too long. Oh, you could have you could have shaved this down to an hour and twenty easily. I loved it. That's what I was I was saying right after this was over. I was like, I was like, man, you probably don't want to go much further than eighty minutes, but like, cut this down to an hour twenty. This is a lot better of a movie. There was just some parts where it seemed to lose me because I was just like, all right, I don't care about this 
part of the skit. And then it would come back to something funny, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is funny. But it is, like, pretty easy to tell that this is just, like, a skit that got drug out into a long movie. I feel like that would end up being the case going back and watching a lot of SNL stuff that was turned into movies. Maybe not all of it, but, like, I have a hard... Like, I don't remember even ever watching Night at the Roxbury. Probably because I looked at it and was like, I can't imagine how you get a full movie out of that without pissing me off by the end of it. I thought that was funnier than than this, probably. I'd have to watch it to see, but I doubt I would agree with that. Although this was pretty... Like, this had a, a bunch of really funny parts. Like, I really liked the advertising gag. I really liked the Terminator thing. Oh, yeah, other than that, it, I do think people should see it. I think the majority of people probably have seen it, at least, like, in our age range. And I don't, I don't think I'll ever own it. And I'm sure I'll watch it again, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it again. So it'll just be happenstance. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 40. I don't even know if I... This is probably just a... I'm giving an elevated because I just recently watched it. Had I be wait like if I watched it a couple of days ago, it might be lower than, than that. But why don't you just tell us what you really want to rate it, then, buddy? It feels like you want to drop the score. I mean, if I'm going to drop it right now, it'd just be dropped to like 39. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't bother. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna go keep it with a solid 40. Check it out, but. I, I guess like one of like I, I had mentioned this to Johnny after we were done watching. I was like, I was like, so even in their like good situation, nothing really gets finalized. Like they got paid ten grand for one episode, but now they can't do the show anymore. Like, or are they just gonna drop the show and be like, yeah, you can still run it, just you can't run it here anymore? I could see. There being a way for Noah to nullify that contract somehow, maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Although I don't know, you I don't know if you'd have to get Ben to agree to that somehow, because there's no way Wayne and Garth have any leg no, stand yeah. on to get that nullified. So uh, watch Wayne's World. Watch Wayne's World too, bro. Uh, Christopher Walken. Get your answers. I don't even know if they approach any of that. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen two. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. Christopher Walken's in it. What year was it? Was it pretty soon after? Probably. It's probably two or three years later. Yeah, I think it was a handful of years later. But uh, I think that we can all agree that you can catch all of our new episodes on Apple Podcasts, our website, 50randyquays.com, and of course, Spotify. Next time on 50 Randy Quades, episode 145, Seeking Justice. And we are returning to Hashtag Cage Talk for the 59th Nicolas Cage Classic. Seeking justice? Who's seeking justice? Nicolas Cage. What the fuck is that? It's a movie about a man who seeks justice. Justice for what? What was the last one we just did? Drive Angry. Drive Angry. Yes, it was. Forgot because that was not a great movie. Man, I'm scrolling through the list here, and I like I've forgotten about so many of these already, and they were so long ago. It feels like, and they kind of were, I guess. You guys remember G Force? God, that was good. Man, I'm really looking forward to getting a Ghost Rider, but we got Seeking Justice and Trespass. I don't know what either of those fucking movies are. I've seen Trespass, Seeking Justice, an action thriller, January Jones. All right. 
we watched next, right? Ghost Rider came after next. Oh no, we got Ghost Rider two. I'm talking about oh. Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, Ghost Rider two. All right, I just felt we should spend a little more time on Nicolas Cage this episode before we close this bitch out. I'm sorry. There you go. Until next time, we watch movies so you don't have to. Peace, Peace out. out.